your deaths. Harsh irony, then, that Rhea, the original from whom we all copied, was one of the first to inflict this terrible burden upon us. And so, on my hundred and thirty-ninth birthday, as near as I can count it, for I was born for the second and more definite time exactly sixty-one years after my existence was forever rendered purposeless by a cruel joke of fate, I spend my carefully hoarded savings so that I might sit on the edge of a balcony outside a gaming hall thronged with joyful gamblers, the ground far below a ruddy metallic counterpoint to the clouds boiling overhead. And I look down, contemplating eternal death, and try to convince myself that it's still a bad idea. It could be worse, I tell myself. I'm not eleven any more. It's a choice I'm free to make. And then... A shiver of laughter through an open door, a gust of chilly air from within, and the faint vibration of a shod foot on the balcony floor tell me that I am not alone out here. It's annoying. For most of the working year I've lived here in quiet isolation. Finally, when I want to be alone with my memories in the clouds... I have company. Oh, look, a freak! Someone squeaks behind and below me. What's that doing here? Ignore them. I don't want to reinforce their behavioural loop. I tense, nevertheless, my fight-flight reflex kicking in. Nasty little bullies. I've been here before, as have my sibs. We know how to handle this. It must be an arbiter. Is it shirking? I look round slowly, forcing my facial chromatophores to their palest creamy blankness, betraying no emotion. I am not indentured, I say very deliberately, which is entirely true at this place and time. Another of the rules Rhea laid down. Don't ever leave one of your own sibs as an indentured arbiter. It's a rule formed in an earlier age, and it has cost us dearly, but none of us wears a slave controller. I am a free woman. There are three of them between me and the balcony door. One Bishojo female about my size, and a matched pair of chibi-formed dwarfs, members of the new aristocracy, caricatures of our dead creators trussed up in the intricate finery favoured by Aristo fashion this century. Standing while I sit before them, the dwarves are at nose level with me. They goggle with huge, limpid eyes, utterly empty of mercy. Their full-sized mistress looks down at me and sneers. That can be fixed. What a revolting parody. Who let it in here? I take her to be the leader, because her gown, which seems to consist mostly of ruffles of wire lace held together by ribbons, is more intricate than her companions. She's got a delicate chin, sharp cheekbones, pointy ears, and a spectacular mane of feathery green filaments. The small female raises one lace-gloved hand to cover her mouth as she yawns melodramatically. It's spoiling the view, Domina. Domina? That can't be good. Instincts, 
hard learned from the experiences of my dead sibs tell me that I'm in worse trouble than I realized. I'm having a flashover to another sister, murdered long ago in a hutong under domed Lunograd. She's right. I don't need the attention of vicious aristos bored with gambling and searching for stronger thrills. I was just leaving, I say quietly, and bring one foot up to floor level so that I can stand up. Thank you, child. The domina addresses her companion. But I had already noticed the obstruction. I use my foot to push back from the edge, put a hand down and lever myself up. I'm already turning to face the glass doors as the domina glances down at the male companion with a sniff of disapproval and says, Stone, deal with the trash. Stone, baby doll death in a black tunic with gold frogging, steps toward me.